Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. You know, the same message seems to come up at every new year, albeit presented slightly differently. And so I'm sorry I haven't broken the cycle um, but it's not, my, it's not my place to do that. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I just have to go with that. Amen. So, but mostly these messages have been an encouragement back to our first love. It's the first week of a new year. And these messages, I call people back. I encourage, I even get encouraged myself back to our first love and back to a love and a devotion to God's word. Amen. Good way good way to start the year, because God's a God of firsts, isn't he? And many times we forget our firsts. Does anyone here, oh gee, I better watch what I'm saying now, because firsts come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, The first time you got behind the wheel of a car as you had passed your test. Oh boy, what a feeling. What a feeling. So you remember first, and as time goes on, we tend to forget our first, and it's a great benefit to us to remember our firsts. Amen? And so, in fact, that's probably understating it a bit, a great benefit. It's vital to us to remember our firsts, to have remembrance, and it's vital to how we, our Christian walk to our race, the race we run, and, and how we finish remembrance. We, sat, we sang about remembrance this morning. Amen. And so he's, God is the God of firsts. He's the alpha, the very beginning of everything. He's also the omega, which is the end. But he's the genesis. He's the originator. He's the origin and the source of all things. He was with every one of us. He's been with some, some of us longer than others, right enough. But he was with he was, he knew you before you were even born. When you were, before you were even in your mommy's tummy, he knew you. So he's like, he's there right at the beginning of everything. And did you know that God's plan for the future, although it's a future plan, it's heading backwards. Do you know that God's plan for the future is going backwards? to a place where he once was in Eden, where nothing was tainted, sin, sin hadn't come in. So God's plan for our future is to take us back to what he originally wanted. And so the, this, we hear about the, the Eden covenant that he had with Adam and Eve. So we think we're going somewhere else. No, we're, we're going back to fellowship with God the way it was meant to be right at the start. And that's amazing. Because we've had the, 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 the Mosaic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and then, then God, God sent Jesus and he said, now I'm in covenant with you directly. And he's saying, I'm taking you to a new thing. It'll be better than Eden, I believe. It'll be better. And some people in this day and age think that, you know what, when everything socially is fine and everything is morally the way we want it, and that may be a case of, well, down with your morals and up with ours, whatever they may be, you know, and that's the utopia where everyone is, you know, I'm just going to say it like it is, I'll start from the start of the year, where we're all our own gods, we do what we want to do. 
And God's saying, no, that's not the way I have for you. And so if you think that this is Edenic, if we're in this beautiful place, the world's not in really that beautiful of a place. Yeah? And so we're experiencing new things all the time. The things that we experience for the first time, God's seen it all before. He's already seen it. He's, he's been through it with his people before. So it's all, it's all been done. He says he's doing a new thing. I heard, I heard this great debate about, well, there's nothing new underneath the sun. And some people believe that, yeah. But if God says, I'm going to do a new thing, there'll be new things for us. There will be new things. Sure, I, I understand the sentiment, but there's going to be new things. Amen? So he's ready to do a new thing. We must give him the room to do it. Perhaps this year would be the first year when we give him the room to do it. Maybe we've never given him the room to do anything before. And so let's give him the room. So he's a God of firsts. His gift to us was a first. A one and only. The best deal available. The bargain can't be improved upon or added to. His name is Jesus Christ. It was the best that he could give. He's, there's, there's not, it's not going to get any better. If we think it's going to get any better, it's not. He, what, what God provided was the very best. Nothing can surpass it. And I think that I can say this without being too off target, that everyone here today and everyone listening, we're living through a first-time experience. We're all living through a first-time experience. And we've got to realize that what we're living in and what we're living through, it's temporary. It's temporal. It's only going to be here for a wee while. Some people say, well, this, is, this kind of thing is going to be with us forever. But in the grand scheme of things, this is very temporary. Life's brief. I don't want to be gloomy this morning. But life is brief. And God asks us, he says in Proverbs chapter, sorry, in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, realize the brevity of life so that you may grow in wisdom. Understand how short time is here. So all of this that's going on around us, the cultural, cultural change, political change, social change, it's all temporary. It's all temporal. Amen. There's temporary and there's permanent. Permanent is eternal. That's the kind of permanency we're talking about with the Lord. It's, it's eternal. And there's only one hope that's eternal. You can place, you can try and place some of your confidence and your trust and your hope in the things and the systems that we've been set up in. I mean, I'm so thankful this morning to the NHS. Incredibly thankful. They have been wonderful with my gran and with people that have been in. But there's only one thing that we can really place our faith, hope, and trust in. Everything else is temporal, and it's God's word because it's eternal. Amen. And so this, I hope all of you have received an encouraging word already. Maybe some of you have been sending messages to one another and encouraging each other for the new year. We have. And um, I've felt, after hearing some of them, to 
an urge in my spirit to make a more solid and permanent fixture of certain things in my life. And I'm led to share these with you this morning. So is that okay? Are you, you might have your own, your, own, your own deal, but this is what's been impressed upon me. I want to share some of this. And we were doing a FaceTime with some friends of ours in, in the States. We've known them for a number of years, Bruce and Kathy Strawn, who we're hoping are going to come and visit us and do some ministry in the church soon. And Bruce said exactly what I prayed this morning while in conversation. And in his very Texan accent, he said, it's, it's not what, if we are thinking, God, what can I do for you? That's the most important thing. What can I do for you? That's really not the most important thing. The most important thing is what we're going to allow God to do with our lives this year. And, you know, that's going to make the difference. Not, not serving God on our terms, but serving him according to his expectations, his word on his terms. Amen. So we've got an opportunity right now at the beginning of January to, now here we go, you'll have heard all of these before, resubmit, rededicate, surrender, renew, refresh our lives to God. But I think it's as simple as this. Give him room to do what he wants to do with your life this year. Amen. Be devoted to God. Read his word. Study scripture. You know, pray and intercede. Spend time with him every day. Go to the Lord's table often, even in your own home. Praise him and worship him every day. And then here's, a one, here's one that I started. I always start, and then I get to blank pages. It's called journaling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go journalers. Here we go. Jour journaling. Journal your days. Journal your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. Journal your victories. Journal your defeats, for by them you'll wage war more wisely in the future. And you can go back to your journal. You can give your journal to your son. I can give them to my son. My I would, I'll have to photocopy it. And yeah, I can, but I've got lots of journals. So, you know, so all of these things. Journal your deliverances. Journal your miracles. Journal your requests to God and journal his responses. Amen. And don't let your pride or your dignity be an obstacle to getting into the presence of God. And this is what's been impressed upon my heart this year. Some of you might know the story in 2 Samuel 6 when David brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And he was going for it. He was dancing with all, for all he was worth. The Bible says in one translation, he was leaping and whirling. And someone was watching him. Her name was Michal. And she thought, this man is making an utter fool of himself in front of all of his people. And in 2 Samuel 6, verse 22, David has a response. And he says, I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Do you know, 
I understand dignity and the different connotations that it has. But one, one, um, trans, one uh, explanation or description of dignity is having a sense of pride in oneself or being of a composed and serious manner. You know, have you ever he heard someone say, oh, no self-respecting person would do such a thing? I believe that the Holy Spirit is, and God is a God of order, but I believe we have to lay our lives, lives in his hands and, and answer the call and move to the rhythms of his grace and move to his word. And if that means being a wee bit undignified from time to time, and you'll know when it's, when it's real and you'll know when it's carnal, you'll know immediately because there'll be a genuine, genuine heart connection with your Lord and your Savior. And you'll want to celebrate that more than you've ever done before. And so sometimes we've got to do what it takes. This year, what, would you, what, are you, what are we going to do for our Savior? Would we climb a tree? Would we do something undignified? Do you remember Zacchaeus? The, sh the man of short stature, the tax collector, and he heard that Jesus was passing through, so he runs to a sycamore tree, he bolts up the tree, and people are prob were probably saying, check him out, you know, he's like one of the main guys around here, and he's climbing a tree to see Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Would we climb a tree? Would we do something that would be totally out of our character to do to get into the presence of God? Because if we do, he'll turn around to you and he'll say, just like he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming home to be with you. So sometimes we've got to go beyond our comfort zone for Jesus to notice and say, come on down. Come on down, Alex. Come on down, Charlene. I'm coming home. I'm coming home with you today. Amen. And so Zacchaeus goes home with Jesus and the Bible says that salvation visited his house that day. Amazing. Amen. Sometimes we've got to break through opposition and go to great pains or great lengths to see Jesus, to have Jesus revealed, to know him more and more. And whenever Jesus comes on the scene, he opens our hearts and we need to give him the room. It's one thing, because he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Hey, I'll keep on knocking, knocking. I'm still here. Open. We have to open and let him in, give him room. 1 John 2.15 says, don't love the, the world. Don't love this world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from this world. And this world's fading away. I love that. This world's temporary. It's fading away. Along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live 
forever. What pleases God? Faith pleases God. That's what pleases God. Whatever, whatever we do that pleases God, we get God's blessing on our lives. He, it, he blesses us in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trouble. We go through it, but he bless, he's there. Amen? Live by faith in God. I wanna, I'm not going to make this a long message this morning, but I want to tell you a story of a man who wrote a book. His name was Richard Booker. And he wrote a book about the blood covenant. And uh, it's, a bril- it's a brilliant book. It's one of those old books you pick up and it's like, oh, this is from the 70s. What? That's going to be totally irrelevant. It's like, no, more relevant than ever. You know? And so this man wrote a book and he was um, a computer analyst. And he was at the top of his game. He was at the top of his company. He was the CEO of a company. He had an, a massive salary, great rewards, all of this kind of thing. He was a, he was, he was a, a Christian. It's like, like I said the, uh, on Boxing Day, it's like Victor Meldrew, who kind of knew who God was, but it just wasn't on speaking terms. So it's like, and so this man had all of this. He had the plaudits. He had the praise of men, the admiration of men. He was at the very top of his game. But every time he went to the Bible and picked the Bible up to read it, he got nothing out of it. It was totally dry. It was, in fact, it was so dry and dusty on his shelf. He'd pick it up occasionally, blow it off. And he's like, so you've got this new old covenant and you've got this new covenant. I've tried to read the word. I've tried to understand it. How does it all come together? There's so many loose ends. There's so many contradictions. He just never understood it. And all it is, is even though it's two separate and distinct books between two covers, one is, this, one is, one is the, the story or the shadow of what is to come and the other is the fulfillment of what the old one said. And the Bible was dry to him, but one day God revealed to him why he couldn't understand the Bible. Because nothing made logical sense, especially you can imagine to a computer analyst. You know, it's all ones and zeros, and if it doesn't add up, it can't be true. It can't be right. God revealed to him that he had an idol in his life, and the idol was his career. His career was more important to him than God was. His career consumed every moment of his time. He was zealous about it. It brought him all the material goods and comforts that he could ever wish for. It brought him all of the admiration. It brought him the affirmation that he needed. He had all of that. But it was a costly idol. What did it cost him? It cost him the ability to receive the fresh breath, the ruah, the wind of the spirit, the anointing, the ability to have that. When Jesus says, whoever drink, whoever thirsts, come to me, you'll never be thirsty again. He just didn't have that. He never had that connection. He never had that life flowing into his body. And the word tells us that, uh, that God says, I'm your daily bread. 
And we think, oh, okay, we, we know we can relate to that. Bread, food, that's how we, what we eat to stay alive. But that figuratively is more than that. It's everything. It's all the sustenance that God supplies to us to live every day, scene by scene, moment by moment, everything you go through, every, everything that you go through, it's his ability to supply all of that according to his preferred will for your life. And I've always heard before, there's God's um, perfect will and his permitted will. And for the first time while reading this, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. He's talking about something different here. His preferred will. He prefers us to do something. And so this preferred will, it's a Greek word called telo, thelo, telo, which means it's referring to God's desire to have you accept or reject his best offer. So God's saying, I'm here with my best offer. It's my preferred will that you receive it, but if you don't and you reject it, that was my best offer. And human beings, we make trade-offs all the time. We make compromises. But only, you know, this is, it's too costly to make a mistake here. It's too costly to put something else before God. And we all do it. We all, we all can fall into that trap of putting other things before him. But he's a God of firsts, right? So here we are at the beginning of a year again. What are we going to, how are we going to arrange our lives and our priorities this year? Because only he can satisfy the cry of our heart. Only he can bring peace. If you're restless, all right, or fidgety, anxious, worried, only he can settle that. Only he can bring that peace. Only he can fill the void that we try to fill with the things that we think are going to fulfill us and satisfy us. Amen? And so Richard Booker, Richard was a Christian, but the, here was this barrier that kept him from knowing the fullness of God. And God promises to reveal himself and to reveal his glory to everyone that would come and receive him. To receive and receive Jesus Christ. Amen. He is unable to do anything for us. He's unable to fulfill the promises in his word. We can stand on them all day long, but if we do not draw near to him, we will not experience them. Amen. What's, uh, this is not in my notes, but he, he says in his word somewhere, you draw near to me with your lips. But your hearts, they're far, far away from me. So we have to surrender everything. So he surrendered it. The plaudits, the affirmation, the money. The, 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 he was in the top guy in America in his business. Before we can know the true and the deep satisfaction that God is the giver of every good and perfect thing, starting with the most important of all, Jesus Christ, our salvation. We have to give something up. Amen? And there's a life-altering difference 
New Year's messages are supposed to be lively and exciting. I hope this is speaking to all of us. But there's a life-altering difference between casually knowing God's Word, being in a casual relationship with God, and being hungry for the Word and the author of the Word. It's actually a life-altering difference. If you've never, why does this always happen to me? Why do I always end up in the same boat? Why? There's something that can alter your outcome. Amen? If we want to know God's power, the resurrection power, by the way, if we want to be strengthened by His Spirit in our inner man, if we want His wisdom, His revelation, His knowledge, if we want to know, God, you say you love us so high we can't go over it, so deep we can't get under it, so wide we can't get around it. If we want to know God's love in that scale, if we want to be filled with his fullness and experience intimate communion with him, then we have to be hungry, hungry, hungrier, amen? The hunger for the things of this earth has to decrease and the hunger for the things of his kingdom have to increase. And God, through as we preached on this back and through the year, we, we, we majored on God's ways. He has ways for us to walk in. He has a way for you. He has a way for you that if you walk in it, you will not know poor health, poor mental health, lack, problems, trouble, not saying that they don't, we don't, they don't come, but we walk in his ways. Amen? And so God tells us how to find Jesus in his ways. And the most common thing we hear this, these days is people saying, you know what? I just don't really know if it's me or if it's the Holy Spirit. I can't discern. Is it my emotions? Is it my logic? Is it my feelings? Or is this God speaking to me? I just can't seem to hear what God is saying to me. The answers are all here. And I'll wager, I, I, I'm using myself <laughs> as an example here, I'll wager that we pick up our Bibles far less than we pick up a newspaper, read a column on social media, read a blog, watch a program, do a puzzle, do something else. I'll, I, it's been true of my life. Oh, but there's, life's busy and we've got to do all of these things because we've got to stay abreast. We've got to stay in touch. We've got to connect. We've got to, it's well out of balance. So if we go back at the beginning of this year and we go back to, the first, to our first love, to love the word again, and, and he couldn't, like, this is dry. It doesn't make sense. It's like, how are you going to know? How are you going to know if it's Jesus? How are you going to know if it's God's voice? How are you going to know if it's the Holy Spirit? If I'm arranging to meet someone, like, let's say Lewis never met me before, and I'm like, Lewis, I'm going to meet you at the coffee shop, good place to meet at X time. Um, oh, well, how will I know it's you? And I'm like, Lewis, here's what you need to know. You've got to look for this guy, kind of slightly bald, gray beard, wonky eye, um, quite well dressed, about five foot ten and a half, all right? Let's not embellish things, right? Guns like to die for. No, I'm only kidding. So 
I'll, and I'll be wearing this and this, and when, so you'll know who I am. And it's like, this tells us if it's Jesus. This lets us know that it's the Holy Spirit. This lets us, how will I know? Well, how will you know what Jesus looks like unless we read the word? How are we going to know? And God goes further than this. He, he explains the character of Jesus. He says, if this is what you're seeing, if this is what you're hearing, if this is what you're experiencing, and it's not lining up with this, then it's not me. Ah, oh, okay. So, you resemble your word? Totally. Oh, I. If I say to Lewis, I'm this guy, gray beard, wonky eye, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to come and say, you resemble just what you said to me. Like, yeah, why would, I, why would I deceive you? Why would I lead you? Why would I say, you know, I'm going to tell you who I am so you recognize me. And then how do we recognize Jesus? The Holy Spirit reveals him to us through his word. Amen. Jesus said this in the company of the people of his day. He said, Today, in your presence, the scriptures have been fulfilled. Here I am, the Son of, the son of God. Look, you can, he could have gone around saying, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Son of God. There were probably plenty of people doing that. Because it still happens today. People assume false identities. But he said, Today in your presence, the scriptures have been fulfilled. What, has, what, what is in the shadow in the Old Testament, which is all they had? He said, here I am, the living embodiment about it. Everything he, did, he said and he did in his time was in the context of what the people were expecting. They knew, they had the, the scrolls. They knew that a Messiah, a Messiah had been foretold. The prophets had, had so the Pentateuch, the prophets and the Psalms had all said, Jesus, there is a Messiah and he's coming. Isn't it weird that when he was there, they did not recognize him? Oh, so you say you're the son of God, eh? I am the son of God. Today in your presence, the scriptures have been fulfilled. No, it can't be. How does Jesus look in your life? Do we recognize Jesus for what he's really done in our lives? Are we looking out for him in all of our comings and goings? Amen. We want people to recognize Jesus. I'm going to close here. We want people to recognize Jesus in us, working through us. Now, Jesus, we are, I always love saying this, we are, we are Jesus with skin on, the hands and feet of Jesus. We prayed, the team prayed this this morning. We prayed, we're standing on this platform, but this platform is for you, Lord. We can either occupy the platform or we can let Jesus occupy the platform. We can either be like Richard Booker, who had everything but had no understanding. And then he was revealed to him that he was putting something else first. He says, no, as soon as I put God first, it all changed. 
We want to be king of the hill, top of the heap. But I've got sad news for you. <laughs> if you think you're king of the hill, top of the heap, someone already occupies that spot. In, in our lives, let that be Jesus Christ. And I think it's better to let him occupy the platform. You know, we can be the platform itself, the, the legs, the, the metal bits, the, the, the footboards, the foundations, you know, and invite him onto the platform. And our lives are all a platform. Not only for God's glory, but for the advancement of others and for, the, and for reaching others. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter. Thank you.